Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, July 22nd. Frappy high day, everybody. It's a freaky free-for-all Friday. Anything goes today. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, pick up the phone and join me. Phone lines are open right now, so if you want to start dialing, you can. And if you do, I promise you'll get through. 855-950-3835. I wasn't sure if we had Joel today or not, but I guess we do. I looked up and he's on the board. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to be getting John in today. So we're just... uh, I got a ton of notes here, all kinds of weird, I guess it's a good thing for a freaky Friday, all kinds of weird things that I just haven't got to on my other shows. Uh, we'll see if we get to them today or not. Let's uh, let's find out what's going on with Joel today. Joel, welcome back. Hey, how are you? Good. Where are you today? Sitting in the backyard with the dog. Oh, there you go. That sounds good. I'm actually home. <laughs> oh, look at that. Yeah. So Hard this, to beat. this is how things change on a Friday. Yesterday, I thought we had John for sure. We weren't sure about you. Now we have you for sure, but John can't make it. No, wonderful. Yeah. Or here's the message I got. Uh, he had something come up with a customer. So I don't know if ah, he's gotcha. might be in here later. Doesn't sound like it. So we'll... Uh, We'll have to do it without him today. Uh, what's on your mind this week? I got a whole bunch of weird stuff, just stuff I want to talk about. But uh, what's on your mind first? Oh, I've got a ton of, of trucking related stuff since I missed last week. And, you know, with a big jamboree out in Iowa, um, some of the guys that I have running the the iTorque uh, spec trucks out on the road. They're starting to accumulate some miles, and uh, I've got some updates on that. Um, I just I have some updates in regards to, I kind of want to clarify the difference between a, a downsped powertrain and gearing to run and direct. They are not the same thing, and I kind of wanted to explain the differences between the two. Um, also, I got had a very interesting conversation with one of the data scientists at Volvo, and he's the one that kind of broke the topography apart in the United States. And I've got some some uh, great ability uh, to match certain areas of the country, and then the the uh, average as a whole, and it's kind of eye opening. Oh, cool! Um, so that will be interesting to talk to. And and we had talked about this before that we took this data and when we decided to to really get aggressive with the downsped gearing we wanted the top three gears to kind of mesh with what we were seeing in regards to average terrain and gradeability and so this kind of ties all that together so instead of just down speeding an engine to to down speed it we kind of had a goal in mind i guess you could say to uh to work towards to to kind of figure out what's optimal in the most, I guess the most possible circumstances you, you can be optimal. Right, right. Um, so that, that being able to be um, diverse and adaptable is very important. And this will shed a little bit of light on that, I think also. And the other thing, the last thing I really want to touch on again is 
I keep hearing guys that want to take, and I'm going to, I'm going to pick on commons just for a minute here. They want to take the 1850 565 commons and, and downspeed it. Um, there are multiple reasons why that's not a good idea. The biggest reason being it doesn't make a lot of torque and horsepower down low. So a lot of people have come back to me recently and said, oh, pack R and Cummins, they make torque at 900 RPM. When you start digging that apart, they do have engines that make torque at 900 RPM, but it's typically between 1450 and 1650 RPM. Um, the 565 Cummins uh, doesn't start to make peak torque to 1,000. My D13 TC makes peak torque at 900 RPM. I make 1,900 pound-feet, and I actually have more horsepower at 900 RPM than what that 565 Cummins has. Right. And in order to get to that 565 horsepower, you've got to run out the 1,625 RPM to get there, which goes completely against all the gearing you're trying to accomplish to be downsped. So essentially, you'd be specking a truck to be downsped and then running it out of the efficiency range to get to the horsepower. <laughs> this is why the OEMs will not sell these types of setups to you because right. they, they just do not make sense. And um, Here's what I don't other, get. Mm-hmm. Here's what I don't get. Let's mm-hmm. go back to the early 2000s. And what I kept mm-hmm. hearing from OEMs was gear fast, run slow. That was the push Correct. in early 2000s. Gear fast, run slow. And it never worked. You know, we kept doing it and it it just didn't work. And now it turns out we understand why they weren't giving us engine architecture that fit that. Yes, yes. And those pictures I sent you, I'm hoping really can demonstrate what we're talking about. I know I talk about this and and trying to imagine this in your mind. If you're not familiar with it, it can be pretty tough. So the one picture I showed you shows a short connecting rod. And then the other one shows the long connecting rod. And then it draws an arrow, you know, the, the, the path of resistance going up through that cylinder. And engines that have long stroke and short connecting rods side load the hell out of the pistons. And that's Cummins, that's Packar, that's Navistar. Detroit and Volvo both have a shorter rod or a longer rod and a shorter stroke. So we have a more clear path with less side loading of the cylinders. You know, we talk about carbon packing in a Cummins all the time. Well, when you're laying that piston hard into that liner and you're trying to use low drag piston rings to reduce that friction because you're leaning hard in that liner, oil and stuff's going to get past those rings and cause your carbon packing. Well, and let's, so, let's think yeah. about what, mm-hmm. what you're just saying there. Because you're right, if you can see Mm -hmm. the picture, it really kind of helps visualize this. But just trust what we're saying. When you say we're side-loading the hell out of that piston, so much so that they've designed rings to try to reduce some of that drag. Well, drag and friction, that's that's our horsepower and fuel mileage we're losing. Just by the design of the engine. We know that when you put more friction against that piston, that's every second of the time this engine is running, that's inefficient. 
you're correct. Now, the advantage to that design is, is you get some pretty fast acceleration of the piston away from top dead center. So it feels a little more responsive to the driver because of that, that faster acceleration um, in that portion of the stroke. The problem is, is it accelerates very fast away from the combustion process, which is never good. Uh, so when you go to that longer rod, you lose a little bit of that responsiveness, but you have more consistent speed through the entire stroke. So the piston's not running away from the combustion event, and it's not too slow to push the exhaust out. So you, and, and I think Detroit and Volvo have both really demonstrated this because they seem to have better durability than the rest of them as far as emission systems. Um, you know, from the fleets that we benchmark against, it's significantly better than the Cummins and the Packard. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with that variation in piston speed related to their very short rod with a very long stroke. Um, so there's a lot of things going on there and it, I know it's hard to visualize, but, but trust me, it, it's all there. Um, the other thing that we, we kind of miss, or we don't talk about a lot also is that, is that bottom end and you've, you've got to come back to the crankshaft and the Volvo because that's like the, the crown jewel right there. Um, just massive journal overlap, a massive crankshaft, very stout, very heavy duty. So it can run all day down the road at 900 RPM and you will not phase that engine. It is not going to hurt it. Vibration levels are going to be very, very low because of the stout crankshaft. And then you've got a piston that is smaller bore. So it develops less G forces when it's coming down, um, onto you know as it's as it's cycling down away from that combustion event it's it's a controlled so, speed with less g-force so you have less vibration issues in the d13 tc crankshaft you know the one picture that really stuck out for me of the pictures you sent over um you know when mm -hmm. we think of like the heavy duty engine you know durability power torque I, what comes to mind in the trucking industry if that's the engine i'm describing to you traditionally what engine would everybody, everybody think caterpillar exactly everybody, everybody would say caterpillar, that's yep. cat so there's a picture here of yep. a c15 cat so think about the size difference in these two engines too we're looking at a 15 liter cat which is the engine everybody would say that's the that's the beast you know that's the engine it's durable it's heavy duty and you look at a d13 volvo significantly smaller when you think about it that's a pretty big size difference between a 15 liter and a 13 liter and we're looking at the journals it's not even close the d13 no, journals are significantly it, it, bigger yeah, bigger than anybody on the market. Nobody's yeah. even close. Um, that, that's something that they've done a very, very good job on is that bottom end. And even the connecting rods themselves, um, you can just see it looking at it with a naked eye. You don't even have to get you know calipers out to measure anything. They're just beefier. Mm -hmm. And so they can really accommodate this low RPM operation, and it doesn't even break a sweat. Um, I know that with the pack R engine, they put a basement on it. It can develop uh, torque at 900 RPM. It's not as much as the Volvo and they don't want you running it down there all the time. 
Um, I think the same thing goes with the commons. They'd rather see you at a, at a higher RPM level. Now, that being said, you can still make a, a, a fairly efficient engine. You're just leveraging different concepts and technologies. So don't take an engine that was designed to run at a more moderate RPM and go out and slap a that, 226 gear in it with an overdrive because you're going to be disappointed. Well, and that's you're, part you're of it. You're not going to make the horsepower and... And the engine's going to get funky with you. Yeah, and that's part of the lesson here. We're not saying the Volvo is the only engine you can go out and get fuel mileage out of and make money. We are saying if you're if you're really trying to squeeze every bit of fuel economy you can and keep the emissions healthy, this really is the better design. But it's you know you can make a lot of money with other engines. Just don't just understand what you have in spec correctly. Right. If if you have been following my work and you're you know you're seeing I'm running this 14 speed with a 216 and maybe even a 205 with an overdrive, and you go into the Peterbilt dealer and say I want this, and they tell you no, don't be mad at them. There's a reason. They're, they're telling right. you this for a reason. There's absolutely a reason for it. And uh, to that note, I am very happy to announce for the guys on the common side that. Um, uh, Eaton came out with a new automated 18 speed and it is a beautiful piece of work. They took a lot of the I shift technology, um, and put into this new 18 speed. Now you can tell that it was specifically designed to work with the commons because it has a taller overdrive. It's 0.70 and then it goes to 0.83 and then into direct and it doesn't have quite as deep reduction. So you can run a more moderate gear, like a 247, and then you're going to be kind of on par with a 231 Super. gear ratio in, in my Volvo. So they, they do have a new transmission. They adjusted the steps in the transmission to work with the aggressive downsped gearing. The old 18-speeds had 17% steps. The new 18-speed has 20% steps. And remembering, it's it's 17% of your rear axle ratio. So when you start to really push the limits on your rear axle ratio and get it down there low, that very close step starts to actually work against you. And that's another reason you, you really don't want to go into uh, a truck dealer order a new truck with a manual transmission with that aggressive gearing because you're, <laughs> you're going to be doing nothing but Shifting. I mean constantly Shifting. your arm's going to fall off. Exactly. So, yeah. um, it, so it very very nice transmission out of endurance. Very very nice. So here's one of those times where I'm going to have to change things that I've said in the past. I have criticized 18 speed transmissions for decades. They seemed completely unnecessary to me because nobody shifted them the right way anyway. Why have all those gears when you're not using them hardly ever? It never made sense to me. Well, I can take that back now. If I don't have to shift it, the computer's going to. I don't care how many gears are in there. Yeah, as long as it's the new Endurant. Now, I'll tell you some of the things that they've done, which is pretty damn cool. It is still a dual counter shaft in the front section, but they did finally get over to the uh, helical cut gears. And if John were here, he would tell you, well, a helical cut gear is not as efficient as a straight cut gear. And he's exactly right, but they will carry more load so you can shrink them down and make them smaller and balance that efficiency loss out. So they got rid of the straight cut gears and they shrunk that front section down and got, got rid of a lot of the mass 
they completely done away with the two counter shafts in the back that I always bitched about. And I always took a lot of heat over, Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Eaton got rid of it and put planetaries in back, just like the ice ship. Right. And they claim that this transmission is mechanically 3% more efficient than the old 18 speed. That's and that's big. exactly what I've been saying right along. It, it is a big, that's big improvement. Big. Yeah. Not all in gears. Part of it's in the, how they're lubing the gears as well. Um, but they've done a very nice job on this transmission. I would encourage people, if you're a Cummins guy and you want to do something downsped, look at that 18 speed. Uh, it, it makes a whole lot of sense. It's not Good. available as a manual. You wouldn't want it as a manual anyway. Um, and I'm sure Cummins always does a nice job with their, uh, with their shift logic and stuff. So it will be very competitive in terms of fuel mileage and, and pulling power. Um, you know, those engineers took a look at this and they said, okay, how do we make down speeding work for a Cummins? I think they've got it figured out. It's not as aggressive as a Volvo, but it is very good for what they have to work with. So, um, hats off to them. They've done a nice job. Good, good. Hey, I want to take a step back, kind of set up what, what this whole show's about, what we do. It's trucking technology and efficiency. And we, you know, we're going to dig deep and find little tweaks here and there and trying to squeeze every bit of efficiency we can out of fuel mileage. We're trying to keep maintenance costs down. Yeah, I had a question on the uh, trucking tribe this morning. And, you know, I look at this question and I think, what do I even say to this person? So I want to go back and read it. And, you know, kind of set up, let me go back and find that, what uh, what it is we do here and, and want to do. Um, where did, oh, I know where it is. Hold on. Okay. All right. So here, and I'm not going to tell you who said this, doesn't matter. Um, I get lots and lots of questions like this, and I wish I could help more people. It says, I know it's a bad time to look for another truck. That's true. It's a bad time for a lot of reasons. We could go through all kinds of reasons why right this moment is not a good time to be buying a truck. But then it says, but I'm looking at a W9 or a 379, and they all seem to have Cummins or Cats, or is there an engine I should stay away from? Um, I look at that and I think, you've already started off by saying you know it's a bad time. This isn't a good time to make this decision. And then you want to tell me you're only looking at non-aerodynamic trucks. And I think to myself, I, I just don't understand this mentality. And I got thinking, what if we did this? What if we said, look, go ahead and buy that W9 or that 379. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to hold your total fuel cost at one more mile per gallon than what you really get. You know, your your buddy just bought an identical drive line, but he put an aerodynamic body on it. He's going to get one mile per gallon better than you are. And I've been saying that for 30 years. I don't know if anybody's actually paying attention or they just don't realize how important that is. And then here's what we're going to do. So all year long, we'll keep your fuel price identical to what it would have been if you would have bought an aerodynamic truck. And then at the end of the year, you're going to have to write a check to make up the difference. And roughly today, it's at easily $10,000. So at the end of the year, you have to write one check 
for $10,000 to make up the difference in all the fuel you burned just to have that body style. How many people would be willing to do that? How many people would write that check at the end of the year and go, oh, yeah, no big deal? Here's a, here's a story, a quick story from uh, uh, Al Hammerson, who, you know, he, he bought the Volvo. He went to the iTorx spec. He's having a lot of success with it right out the gate. While he was buying his truck, uh, uh, an acquaintance of his was also buying a truck. And, of course, he didn't want an ELD in it. He didn't want any of those <laughs> damn sensors and none of that bullshit electronics. So he paid some ridiculous amount, like $72,000 for like an 85 Peterbilt with a 3406. I think it was a B. Oh, my God. And he put another 70 into it. What? So by this time, he's got almost as much as what Al had into his truck. They both started running right about the same time. They both have 15,000 miles on the truck. Al's at his 30 days at 8.34. His lifetime's at 7.9. This guy's at 4.5. Oh, How the hell do you do oh, that and stay in business? Oh. How do you do that? So now we're talking about at the end of the year, if we kept their fuel price constant all year and said at the end of the year, you have to make up the difference, he'd be writing a check for 30-some thousand dollars. Oh, yeah, absolutely he would be. There, there's no doubt about it. I, I can't imagine he's going to make it to the end of the year, but yeah, maybe well, there's he will. A good point. Yeah, but if we could get um, people to start looking at it this way, okay, run your truck all year. Your cost will be the same as if you would expect it properly. And at the end of the year, you're going to have to write a check to make up the difference. Do you think they would get it? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I that's I, I, hard to say. I mean, it's just like when people pay taxes, it automatically comes out. So you don't notice it, I guess. I don't, I don't understand it. But, uh, I, you know, I would much rather put that money in my pocket, go on a vacation, you know, put my kids to you know, school, whatever the case may be. But uh, or or better yet. Buy the new aerodynamic ice <laughs> Volvo and then go pay go pay cash for your 85 feet and set it in the garage. There you go. So, so any business, every business, you run a business, you know this, we could go spend an awful lot of money. Like I could look at my operation and say, you know what? I'm going to buy every one of our employees a new high-end computer every six months. Now, Mm-hmm. I could do that. I could even justify it a little bit. At least a new computer is faster and more efficient than the old one, <laughs> right? There's at least, yes. it's an improvement. Yes. It is better than what I had before. Now, I've been in business long enough to know I could go do that. It would be an improvement, but it's not worth it. I mean, that that's just wasting money in the business. Makes no sense to me. In this case, you're buying this truck that is costing you so much more money, and it's not better in any way. I challenge somebody to tell me how that truck, oh, I can come up with one. We have come up with one over the years. If you have to work on that truck, it's a whole lot easier. I get that. But that's it. Here's the thing that, here's the thing that's starting to change. And I really think we're, we're seeing this in our fleet in a major way. As we push that down sped envelope and we hold the heat and the engine during the combustion process, uh, we have, and especially with the wave piston on top of it, the seven hole injector, we have reduced our maintenance cost to, so we are right on par with our last round of non emission engines or cats. 
and our maintenance cost is right on par with those with those cats. The only thing is our fuel mileage is about three miles a gallon better. <laughs> um, so yeah. we're really, really, and, and we, we saw the same trend with cars. You know, you remember back in the, the late eighties when we really started to get all the emission stuff oh, yeah. and it would give people fits and everybody was bitching about it Garbage. through the nineties. It got a little bit better. Now, does anybody go out and buy a new car and go, Oh, I don't want any of them bullshit sensors. I'm like, <laughs> nobody does that. No, nobody. Because and the same thing is, even you know being a gearhead all my life and always working on things i'm not sure how to open the hood on some of my vehicles anymore you just don't have to (laughs) no i hear you (laughs) You yeah i know you're you're exactly right yeah i I put some i had to put some graphics on my pickup truck and i popped the hood and i'm like damn it (laughs) (laughs) i've had this thing for five thousand miles i haven't had a hood open on it i mean geez oh peace it's crazy right but that's so, that's where we are, and that's yeah. where truck we're getting there on trucks. We're we're getting there. We we're are, getting to the point where you're just not going to have to work on these things the way we used to. You know, and and I know this this bit of news will probably piss some people off, but I personally see it as a good thing. So, the German company that bought Navistar was it, is it Tata or Tarda or whatever their yeah. their conglomerate name is. They basically, my understanding is, just handed it off to Scania and said. Scania, you guys go take care of that. And they're going to get some very Volvo-esque powertrains um, coming soon, I would imagine. They're going to bring over their their new straight six, which is very similar to the D13TC. Uh, they have a 13-speed automated manual that has almost the exact same steps. So I would suspect that they're going to have a very, very strong package to offer in the United States before long. Um, hell, they're even talking about pulling out of Chicago and moving things down to Texas and doing an R&D center and a whole, a whole bunch of stuff. So is it, is I, it, I, I think my, my person, personal opinion, that's a good thing for Navistar. They've struggled here for, for quite a while. I was um, My, my so next comment it, was going to be Navistar has been struggling for about 25 years now. Hopefully something yes, helps. Yes, that, yes. Yes, yes. Well, they, they certainly won't be from lack of uh, engineering skill. You know, they crank out engineers in Sweden like we crank out basketball <laughs> players over here. It's crazy. Lawyers. And, and, lawyers. Uh, I, I, some, yeah, lawyers and basketball <laughs> players. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I, you know, those are guys that I love working with over there. Uh, they're very matter-of-fact. They're very direct. Um, part of the reason I think Volvo struggled early on was – they just couldn't get their mind around some of the things that we done over here and how our duty cycle worked. Um, not saying that we're wrong and right, but there was a difference there that they, they struggled with for quite a few years. Um, you know, I, and I've been working on this whole downsped concept with, with their engineering staff for over 10 years now. Um, five years specifically on this, this iTorque that we're just now introducing. And, uh, spent many hours on the phone with their engineering staff, you know, as I'm driving down the road, explaining this, explaining that. And it's been a long, slow process, but I think we've really got something special here with iTorque. That's, that's going to change a lot of minds about Volvo. Um, Ed Ackline, a guy in Akron, Ohio, right out in your old neck of the woods. He, uh, he just bought an iTorque 2.16 with a 14 speed. Um, basically a kissing cousin to the, my purple beast that's sitting down at the factory still. And he has just started running it. 
Now, he had a Caterpillar-powered glider kit, 800 horsepower, <laughs> 264 direct. Okay. And, you know, he would, he would run, he'd start in his yard, he'd pick up a, a heavy loaded trailer, go down to Winchester, Virginia, and he couldn't run a turnpike because it was hazmat, so lots of hills. Wow. And yeah. then he would empty, empty the loaded trailer. Yes, very tough. He would empty the loaded trailer out, pick up empty totes, and go to Portland, Oregon with them. And then he would reload and then bring it back to his yard, and that, that's his loop. That's what he does. Wow. And uh, he uh, he hooked his 6x2 Volvo up, you know, the, the, the plastic truck, and uh, he got hooked up to it and uh, ran it down. And he called me. He goes, you know, it doesn't seem like it, it pulls as well, but my his time on the run was exactly the same. Um, and he got two miles a gallon better doing it in the hills with 80,000 pounds. Wow. So his run, his run out to the West coast, he was light enough where he's able to get axle up on the truck and the trailer. Now he's a small fleet. He's got a couple of newer, um, aerodynamic peats. And I, I don't remember what the nomenclature is, but there are five hundreds, uh, uh, three, 336s or 308s. I don't remember what with 13 speeds. Um, and, uh, one of his guys, I, I think followed him out or went out the next day right behind him. And he was exact same time, but three miles a gallon better. So wow. he done 9.1 on, on that. Whereas Pete wow. done six six point one. So he's in process of running this run again. And the way I understood it, and I'll double check with this, but one of his guys was running with him again and he hit his first fuel up point and he still had a bunch of fuel, but he fueled it up anyway. And again, he's three miles a gallon better than what his 500 Cummins with, uh, with the 13 speed was. And it wasn't an aerodynamic thing in this case. This is just because that was the aerodynamic Pete and he's got the, the gap closed up tight on both the trucks and, and, uh, he does a good job that way. And he tracks fuel mileage very well too. He's on fuel gauges, I believe. Um, he also so, does pedal coach and, uh, that Sancero. So he, I mean, he's a nut like I am when it comes to tracking the mileage and he so, has lost zero in efficiency and picked up three miles a gallon. That's incredible. And I, I, I just think that a lot of this gets lost, but here's something to think about. That is a 50% improvement in your single biggest cost of operation. How many businesses in the country have that opportunity? Almost none. I can't think of a business I, I've ever run where there was an opportunity for me to take my single biggest cost and improve it by 50%. No, you're, you're exactly right. Um, Mark Rotz is another example of this. He likes to post his IFTA on Nine Mile a Gallon Club over on Facebook. Um, last quarter, he was at like 10.01. This quarter, he's at 9.59. He only had three light loads during the whole quarter that were 18,000 pounds. Everything else was in the 42 to 46,000 pound range. Wow. Runs mostly northeast, but does an occasional west coast trip, and everything was at 65 mile an hour faster. Man, that's impressive. That is just it absolutely is that just knocking it out of the ballpark. Yeah, There's just no is. other way to put it. And he's, he's had no mechanical issues so, with the truck. Um, 
just doing very, very well with it. So, you know, let, let's put this to some real world stuff because I got to go find my notes here. I said I had a ton of stuff to, uh, to talk about. Where is that? Okay, here we go. Um, we've been talking a while about rates dropping and all that stuff. But honestly, if you, if you were going to go try to run your one truck for profit right now, would you look at the mm-hmm. conditions today and be worried in any way? I mean, I, this is not a really bad environment right now for trucking. I know it's clearly much worse than it was no, last it, year, but this is not a bad right. set of numbers right now. No, no, it, it's kind of mediocre. Yeah, and I know not, people think the world's coming to an end because they're not getting twenty five bucks a mile to to you know run a load, but it's. If you look at it in a historical context, I, I, I don't know that it's all that bad, really, to tell you the truth. Uh, I'm waiting on my purple truck, and I, I'm not really worried about anything in terms of rates. I know they're not as good as what they were, but that will definitely be profitable. That's not going to be an issue. Yeah, I, I think things are going to get a lot worse than what they are right now. That, that's my prediction. I don't think this is that bad. But listen to this. I read an article this morning, and it's three trucking veterans reveal why they closed their businesses amid the great purge. We're already talking about this. Listen to this first one. Back in 2018, when trucking was red hot, Texas native, I'm not going to give his name because it doesn't matter. Mike got famous, if just for a moment. Um, He was as confident as ever. That year, he and his brother founded their own trucking company. He told the Post reporter he was interviewed, you know, for some article in trucking. He was planning on bringing in a serious salary up to one hundred and twenty thousand dollars a year. That's a pretty serious salary. If you can operate one truck and keep one hundred and twenty thousand dollars of profit, you're doing good. You are. It was possible last year and the year before you had to work for it, but you could do it. So here's here's Mm -hmm. here. But here's how crazy things got. It says that turned out to be a modest estimate in 2021 alone. He grossed three hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. That's a lot. That's a lot of money Mm -hmm. to generate with one truck. And there is no reason none whatsoever that he shouldn't have been able to take home at least 150,000 of that. And I think that's conservative. Mm. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a lot of money. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I agree. He's, he's now out of business. Already. Yeah. I I don't. Just last year, (laughs) he grossed $375,000. Where the hell did it go? Why are you out of business already? Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I I do know from some of the people that showed up out of Iowa, they said CNN was there and they were wanting to interview these pissed off truckers that are mad at the world. They would not talk to any of the fuel efficient guys (laughs) that were, uh, that are doing okay. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's just funny. I, I mean, I, I've known Al Hammerson for a while, not personally, but I, you know, I know he's been in the, the trucking industry for a long time and, you know, he's 15,000 miles into his eye torque here. And he said, you know, I, I think this is the most money I've had in the bank ever from trucking. 
just because his fuel mileage is is where it should be and should have been all along. And there you and, go. You know, he's not working near as hard, so he's happy in these conditions. Where the guy that's getting four and a half, you know, he's just oh, pissing and moaning and crying the blues. And I do feel bad for the guy, but this guy was straight up told they explained it to him and and i get it you know somebody's talking oh how do you know who the hell are you but man oh man it's it's hard when you went into that eyes wide open into a truck that the majority of people are going to tell you that's a four and a half to five mile a gallon truck and diesel fuels (laughs) what five bucks a gallon so in this article there's another number here i wonder where the hell we come up with this stuff i could probably dig here and figure out where they got it from but they're actually claiming in this article the break even cost to run a truck in 2022 throw out a number give me something you think they might be claiming that'll cost to run a truck in 2022 per mile uh, oh my! What they're saying, what actually is? I I don't know. They saying what a buck eighty? <laughs> that that if I read that, I would still push back and say I can operate this yeah, thing so significantly it, less yeah. than that. But if they said that number, yeah. I'd be okay with that because there are a lot of people that are probably spending that much. Their number is three dollars sure, yeah, and twenty seven cents a mile. Oh, <laughs> where do they come wow. up with this? <laughs> Uh, they got a hold of some shroom somewhere. <laughs> That's crazy. Three a month. Gosh! Wow. Uh, yeah, no wonder wow. why they're out I of mean, business. I, even if it, even if you've done everything wrong, <laughs> I don't know that you could get. I, to, I know. Get to that right. Point. Right. I, I don't think you could. If we tried to spend that much, I'm not sure if we could pull it off. Yeah, but you know how this goes, especially. And you notice that this guy was a new startup and all of a sudden, bam, he made $375,000. Probably got a few toys in the garage oh, now, right. a couple yep. cars that he wanted to buy. Yep. This, this is the kind of stuff that would just kick you in the ass faster than, than anything. And, and uh, you know, right. uh, when you start small businesses, a lot of people, they co-mingle their finances oh, and yeah. it's, it's all the it's, business. It's a mess. Yeah. You know, so yeah. if I was betting money, I bet you there's something similar to that going on in this scenario because it's the only thing that makes sense to me. Well, I've actually said for years and years and years, technically, if you just look at averages, it's impossible to for one driver to one run truck, one run one truck and actually lose money. I've said it's impossible. You can't go out and spend more money than what it will generate in revenue. You just can't. Yeah, if you limit it to the trucking only you would be hard exactly. pressed to right. do that that's exactly yeah. right it, yes. it, it, there yes. would always yes. be a profit left and when they say well no i'm broke i know you're spending it all at home you just don't get it yeah it's going to, yeah, it's going somewhere else that's exactly right yeah that's exactly right so i i i, I want to shift gears once today and kind of jump into a totally different topic but it's kind of becoming the theme of the show and it does kind of fit so we're talking about you know really tweaking the trucking side of things making the truck really efficient keeping our costs down and that's the whole point of the show but on the other hand i think a big part of the show is going to become keeping us and our bodies efficient and maximizing uh, no doubt yeah I, I, I like that. There's a real fit there. And I want to come back to it, but we have two calls. They've been on hold for a while, so we're going to grab those. Maybe we'll come back to that topic. Let's go yeah, to Washington. You know, oh, go ahead. Uh, 
left turn lane. Tony. Rachel's on left lane. I'm in the right left turn lane. T- Tony. I pulled up and I stopped and I was like, fuck it. Hey, hey, Tony. I'm going to follow you and when you stop, I'm going to. All right. We're all going to listen. We're all going to listen to Tony's conversation here. <laughs> now there's F bombs flying. Hey, hey, Tony. All right, I'm putting Tony back in the queue. Brittany, see if you can. Uh, it was getting real there for a minute. I, know. <laughs> I, I don't want to embarrass him too much, so we'll put him back on hold. See if we can uh, figure that out. Let's try Arizona. Byron, welcome to the program. I wondered if I could. Uh, oh, Emerson, give me a call. I give you my number, Joel, or somebody. Uh, say that again. Say it again. I wondered if I give uh, give you my number that uh, you could give it to Ella Hammerson and have him give me a call. Sure, 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 absolutely. I can do that. Or how can I? Uh, how can I contact you? You, on, you, you on Facebook? Nope, I don't do Facebook. No. Um, uh, let's go. Let's just send it to my email. Yeah, Hang on a second. I'm just checking in. Uh, uh, 1,000 <laughs> Don't these people know we're trying to run a radio show here? <laughs> the joys of live radio, right? Hey, but this is, this is the real deal here, so. This, this is the real thing. That is okay, no doubt. All right, go ahead. Okay, here's my email. Um, it's Joel, J-O-E-L, at alphadrivers-tc.com. PC, you said? PC, as in like turbo compound or uh, technical consulting. PC, got it. PC.com. Okay. Yep. 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 Just send me a message there. I'll I'll get it and I'll I'll get Al in touch with you. You can talk to him. Perfect. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks Uh for the call. All right. Let's try Tony again. Tony. Hey, Kevin. There you, you there? are. There you are. Welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, thanks. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, the reason why I call is because uh, I've been listening to you guys, you know, talking about, you know, slowing down and taking the cruise control off and, uh, you know, actually drive the truck again because I'm a company driver. But so, so I started doing that here, you know, for about the past month or so, a little bit before that. And uh, was going up Cabbage Hill here in Oregon, and uh, you know I had cruise control off, and I'm cruising up the hill, going about thirty miles an hour, and uh, some guy who did not have his cruise control off, he had it on, said just ran right in the back of me. Ouch! <laughs> really? Yeah. How how do you do so that on was Cabbage? He, was he? Are you? Was he texting or watching adult movies or what really? was he doing here that he didn't have? His story was, you know, he had this. He goes, "Well, I had my cruise control on, 
And I saw you. I knew you were going slow, so I started to slow down. Looked over. Or no, he said he did not slow down. He looked over to his left lane, and there was a car. So, but and he said by the time he looked back up, it was too late, and he just ran right in the back of me. Wow. So, wow. Yeah, I don't know what yeah. else to say to that, especially on cabbage. Yeah. I mean, cabbage is a yeah, pretty he, tricky well, climb. Up. You you need to be paying attention. Yeah. There's a lot of sharp curves on that climb. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, he said he'd been driving for 25 years and never had an accident. I was like, uh, I wasn't buying the story. Boy, I, that, that's a boy. He he saved it all up for a really good one. Then I guess that's a really rookie mistake. Yeah, yeah, it was, and gets even worse because I had uh, ten pallets of yogurt on the back, and um, eight of them tipped. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> and it oh. It, it gets worse. This is Friday, July 1st, when this happened. And uh, mm-hmm. so, so talking to my boss, he's like, well, go ahead and take the load to Denver and have them, you know, unload it and restack it for you. I was like, really? To like, Denver? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Denver. That's well, just right around the corner. The time, <laughs> yeah. So by the time I got there, they ate pallets that were, you know, leaning, they were just completely all over the place. Uh, so I get, I get there Sunday morning at, you know, eight o'clock and this is that third of July, right? Holiday weekend. Yeah. So holiday weekend, get in there. They say, absolutely not. I'm not taking it. I'm like, <laughs> what I figured. So come up boss. He's like, okay, I'll, He's going to call the insurance company and, you know, I have them send a crew out to restack it. So I sat there the third, the fourth, and the fifth. And then he calls me back and says, that ah, insurance company can't find enough people to, to redo it. So just dumping it in the landfill was like, well, well, wait a minute. That's 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 a little easier said than done. What do you mean, just dump it in a landfill? Exactly. So I'm calling around trying to figure out what I'm going to do with this load, and I get a hold of the uh, Rocky Mountain Food Bank, and they said they take it. They said, yeah, I, I can bring in volunteers and we'll unload it and restack it, and you know whatever is not good, we'll just throw away and we'll take it. I was like, awesome. This is at one o'clock in the afternoon on Tuesday. So as I get there, I tell my boss, hey, yeah, I'm going to, I found someone to unload the truck. And he goes, who? who? And I said, well, the food bank. And he's like, oh, no, you can't do that. You know, because of the, uh, said the, either the insurance company, the shipper or whatever's got something it says that, uh, you know, they're afraid that... Oh, you, know, you got to be kidding me. The damn attorneys. So he said, no. Yeah. So he said, you can't do that. I was like, what? Well, what am I going to do now? And he says, I'll call you back. You know, at uh, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, calls me back. He says that, that there's a tow truck company there in Denver. They said they'd help unload it. So me and uh, this old guy, guy, you know, I'm 60. This guy was 
older than me, and uh, he could hardly lift his arms. Oh, great. And <laughs> Wonderful. And I have, the story just keeps getting worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and I have two bad arms myself, but anyway, so the two of us unloaded these 10 pallets off this truck. You know, eight of them that were tipped, we had, you know, by hand, I was covered in yogurt. Ugh. Yeah. What a so, mess. Yeah, what, got out of, yeah, it took us three hours. What What a mess. And here, wow. all, all you were trying to do was save your employer a little bit of fuel cost. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and I've been telling people for 30 years, don't worry about driving slow. Nobody's going to run into the back of you. But I guess once in a while, <laughs> they right. just might. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> once That's in a while, God. they just might. Hey, I'm going to cut you loose. I just looked at the board, and we are flooded with calls. Holy cow. we got to get busy here. We're going to go to South Dakota. Fred, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Joel. How are you guys doing today? Well, I was Good. looking forward to, to knocking off early today on Friday, but... Uh, Everybody decided to save their call till the last minute on Friday. So, <laughs> yeah, it's been a crazy week for me. But uh, I'll tell you, I I run an old three seventy nine, the truck that Joel and you guys are beating up on the other earlier today. But I'll tell you what, you can be profitable with this old truck. Now, I run. I'm running sixty or fifty seven most of the time. Hopefully, no hey. one runs in the back of me. Uh, <laughs> but. Hey. But uh, I, my profit right now, mid-year, I'm profiting 98 cents a mile. That's outstanding. Hey, Fred, let me... I'm home every weekend. I'm uh, home every weekend. And, and I run Civilized. I'm, I'm glad you called because while Joel was talking and Joel talked a lot, I was making a lot of notes. And... Some of my notes, I'm not going to get to them because I have notes everywhere today. Now we have calls everywhere. Um, But a whole section of my notes was I was going to address exactly what you're talking about. I just didn't get to it. We had too much going on. I I was going to make the comment that I know every time I talk about classic trucks, I make a whole bunch of my listeners crazy. My point is, though, I mean, it, it can do this right. Exactly. And that's my and I've said it many, many times over the years. If you know what you're doing, you can make money with that truck. You should absolutely go buy one. That's the whole point of being in business ourselves. We get well, to make our own decisions. I also, but when I, I keep, also want to let okay. me. Yeah. When I keep hearing from people that the rates are too low, the brokers are ripping me off, the fuel prices are killing me. That's when I start looking at them and going, but you've done nothing to control your own costs. Stop complaining about everybody else. Right, right. Well, uh, and I, I won't uh, parse this with, I've actually been spending a lot more on reducing my expenses and I'm still making 98 cents a mile. Right. Which is awesome. You know, I mean, I right. have a trailer payment. I, I must have paid, uh, you know, a, a double payments every month at least. But, I mean, I should, I, I might have this trailer paid off by the end of the year, and it's a 2021. So I've been really knocking everything out, and, and still I'm getting a 98-cent profit. And, I, you know, I mean, I, I color outside the lines a little bit with my finances. So, I mean, if I really tie, tidied it down to where it would, you know, was what it should be. I'm I'm definitely over a dollar a mile with with which, plastic truck. Which just a couple of years ago we, we almost wasn't even possible. 
I mean, the rates just weren't there. No matter how efficient you were, you weren't breaking a dollar a mile in profit because the base rate wasn't there to be able to do it. It it is now, even with the rates coming down, you can still do that. And and like I've said in the past, that that I I bring up the whole efficiency thing only when it's people complaining that it's everybody else's fault that they can't make any money. Well, I'm also going to tell say this to everybody listening. I've had five weeks off this year already. Nice. Yeah, nice. You know, I mean, I took I took a couple couple weeks after Christmas. I've taken a couple weeks here and there to go see my granddaughter in New York, and I yeah, and I'm still. I mean, yeah, the rates have definitely come down. I'm seeing more more flatbed rates in in the two two to three dollar range than the three plus we, range, which is I'm, still, I'm still strong. Fine. That's still a good rate. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 I mean, I, I was I was running back in the in the nineties for ninety cents a mile. It, Correct. Exa- yeah. Right. That, exactly. That's the point I was yeah, I was going to make here. You know, your your numbers are excellent. This is uh, this calls more a function of your management style more than anything. It, it's not necessarily the truck. It's how well you manage the business, and obviously, well, it, you're doing a very good job of managing your business. And uh, well, so, it, you know, hats like off to you. Here, I I grabbed a couple of partials on my way up to the Dakotas because I knew there was something up here. So I grabbed a couple of partials in between. I was lucky enough that I had a multi stop coming up. And I had I had the room and the weight the weight capacity nice. to grab a couple partials. There you, you know? go. Nice. There you nice. go. All right. Good stuff. We're gonna keep on rolling because the calls just keep coming in. Let's go to Wisconsin. Mike, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Called you yesterday on that uh, GPS. Yes. And the whole problem was was it had a bad download, I guess, because I called them and they put me through the process. And he says, yeah, some reason you had a bad download. You just have to re-download it. And I re-downloaded it, and everything's just fine and dandy. Excellent. Awesome. Excellent. Glad yeah. they were able to help you. Interesting. Yeah. So, so I thought I would pass that along. So well, thank you. Would, yeah, I appreciate you know, the feedback. Okay. Otherwise, you guys have a great day. All right. Have a great weekend. Let's go to Pennsylvania. Brian, what's up today? Hey guys, um, I, I haven't been over cabbage in over a decade, but I mean, aren't there a lot of company trucks that are actually trying to get over the hill that can only do 30? Yeah, a lot of them. In fact, you know, the one thing I have to be careful about now that I never used to have to be careful of. And speaking of the cruise, like, Look, when, I, when I'm in my coach, I really don't care much about fuel economy. I know that sounds odd coming from me. It's just not worth the hassle. I have too many other things to do. This isn't a revenue generating thing. It's just, it's a way for me to get around the country and travel and still do the show. And so I I just, I'm not going to spend a lot of time trying to get better fuel economy on it. Um, So I'll go right up the hill in cabbage with the cruise on, except I can't do that anymore because it goes up the hill too damn fast. Now I can't, I I, I would seriously flip over on the curves. So I got to take it off the cruise and actually drive it up the hill for that reason. It would make pretty awesome radio if you drove into the back of somebody running. 
especially <laughs> especially if I if I have my new Garmin um, GPS yeah, with exactly the built-in right. camera to record it all. <laughs> Oh, wow! Uh, yeah, that would be so bad. Funny. That would be bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm really bad for that. That's Bruce would have a coronary because I, I'm cruise control everywhere. And when you got, when you got one of those Pittsburgh Power twelve uh, seven tunes, and all you haul is mattresses, you cruise control <laughs> up every mountain in the country. That's right. Yeah. But, um, what was the other? Oh, I don't know. It, it's a good thing it's Freaky Friday. I just wanted to stir the pot a little bit. Um, I'm, I'm surprised nobody really jumped on this. I think this all happened last week. Uh, the whole the whole topic of uh, oh, before I get to that, I just got to say awesome, awesome numbers, Joel. You know, you know, uh, I, I love my paper logs, and I and I run. Everyone else listening probably runs harder than I do on their e log, but. I just, I like to stop and eat a lot and, uh, <laughs> it, it shows. and, uh, I, I, you know, I just love never worrying about hours and until, until the minute Volvo has a truck that I can, that I can just log into the sleeper and it'll drive itself. I'm in unless it's, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, you know, and, um, but no, I just wanted to throw that in. I mean, I'd be knocking down pens without even trying. A hundred percent cruise control. I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm thirty day average at eight point oh uh, with a glider. So I mean, based on the math I'm seeing, that's ten mile a gallon without even trying. Uh, yeah, most of my guys that come out of gliders with the higher horsepower Detroits and Cats are seeing two to three mile a gallon improvements. So yeah, you're going to uh, be in that uh, ten uh, to eleven mile a gallon range, no uh, doubt. And let's 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 clarify that eight is still a really respectable number. Really is that that's still a good number. Yeah. Yeah. It's just crazy yeah. now that we could actually improve that by two miles to the gallon. Yeah, and and you know you, I am. I mean, I yeah, I do use cruise all the time, which is not good. Eating because I haul mattresses and then I deadhead back, but whatever. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, on on the power hour, uh, the the subject of Jake shifting came up, and uh, and I know Bruce wasn't a fan, and uh, and uh, and then it came up again. Well, and I'll just say, everybody that doesn't like Jake shifting, they're just jealous because they can't do it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can upshift a lot faster. Hey, hey Brian, not only are you Jake shifting, you're shifting all 18 gears of your transmission, aren't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, thanks for bringing up that, that topic. I, uh... I have a 13 and I wanted 18, but the only reason I wanted 18 is so that I don't have to move the splitter down to low to shift back into low range. I'll just leave it in high <laughs> all the time. <laughs> there you go. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, but, but I forgot about this cause I've never personally experienced it. I've never, I've never driven an auto shift, but, um, when I found out that the automated manual transmissions actually Jake shifted, I was like, well, there's your proof. 
There's your proof. It's the way to go. Won't hurt anything. You just have to know how to do it. That's right. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Some of the I-shift programming, like if you get into the heavy haul or the off-road logic, it will will do that when needed. So to speed up that shift, that's exactly right. Yeah, so just just want to stir the pot a little bit on Friday. There, there you go. <laughs> That's all I got. There you go. That's all we need. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Georgia. Paul, welcome to the program. Howdy. What's on your um, mind today? Well, Volvo, but I'll give a couple of comments. Uh-oh. Paul, Uh-oh. we're losing you. Oh, hell, I went in the hole. I think you're back now. Yeah, try again. The guy that went from 375000 gross to being out of business? Yeah. I'm guessing he has a whole lot of toys, and he forgot to pay the tax, man. <laughs> you, you think? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, my 388, Pete, with the aerodynamics that make Steve Crone just shake his head and say, I got nothing for you. I'm at 5.5 miles per gallon for my 90 day average. Nice. For a car hauler, that's damn good. Yeah. I'm at for the, up the start of the year, up to the end of June, I was just below 77 cents a mile for fuel. Um, which sounds outrageous to some people but my revenue sort of compensates it very frequently but yeah it does i still like to keep more i still like to keep more of my money well well, and we talk about it all the time the lower you are in fuel mileage the more important every one-tenth of a mile per gallon becomes because it's a bigger savings the worse your fuel economy is yeah well I know some guys in the auto transport industry that if they get up to five, they're happy. Whereas if I get down to five, I'm unhappy. Exactly. And it's a huge difference in cost for the year when we're talking about the difference between four and a half and five and a half. And by the time I get to Pittsburgh Power on Tuesday, I'll I'll be knocking on the door of 1.1 million. Nice. Nice. Um, on the a question for Joel, mm-hmm. on a Volvo, what rear mm-hmm. end ratio would we stick in it if we went down to two ninety five sixty drive tire, which is just under thirty seven inches tall? Yeah. Well, you know, you're in luck because one of the engineers that I work very closely with. He was just given the VAH uh, model. That's his baby now. And so I, I got a feeling I'm going to start hearing a lot of stuff about car car hauling trucks here. So I can uh, I can get with him and uh, see what his recommendations are on that. And, uh, you know, I eventually probably if you would like to chat with him sometime, I could probably arrange that um, if you're open to it. And you can speak to the yeah, guy well, that's actually in charge of it. Yeah, well, uh, um, I kind of, I kind of like the the VNL, but the mm-hmm. only thing that worries me about that is the setback front axle. 
But mm-hmm. the, you know, the VIH, the front axles pushed out, but set forward um, and cracked. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, but I, I met up with a guy the other day, um, mm-hmm. last Saturday evening, and he had a VNL, and I went over and I was taking pictures of his truck because the company he works for, which is Main Freight Worldwide, is actually a mm-hmm. New Zealand company. So I was taking pictures oh, wow. and he hopped out. He hopped out and he, we started talking. And he's from Yugoslavia originally. Um, got talking with him and he's like, "Oh hell, it's too damn hot in here." He says, "Hop in." So this first time I've been in a VNL Volvo with the big sleeper, and mm-hmm. I I don't need that much space, but boy, it was nice. So <laughs> yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, you can also you could well you could go VNR as well, but you'd probably be better off VAH. But um, yeah, why don't we set up a time at some point and uh, uh, you and you and Dwayne can have a have a chat about car haulers. I'm sure he would appreciate it hearing from somebody in the real world. And uh, you know, he's very very good with math and and can you know do the weight distribution and and all the clearances and all the types of things that you're going to need to know and understand if uh and if you're interested in doing that sometime hey joel Dwayne was yeah, well, the one that did our training right yes yeah yes. Dwayne and is a great guy paul great, he's great he's so good at taking you know some of these really complicated concepts with the engine and the gears and just making it really easy to understand he is really good yeah because uh like i'm the heaviest i've seen on my steer axle in this truck and I, I mm-hmm. had a big load on. I, I was fifteen two sixty on the steer axle, but it's mm-hmm. not uncommon to to get fourteen two fourteen four. It, it, easy peasy, but and I've got a set forward axle, so that's the only thing that worries me about a a VNL. But well, v, yeah. VNLs will go to fourteen six without any special permission from engineering, and I believe that they have a 16 and an 18,000 pound front axle as well. Okay. So I will, I will find that out. I'm almost positive they do because we had talked about doing that on, on my purple truck. Cause when I'm axle up, sometimes I can really throw some weight forward and I always want to keep my gap tight. So I do know that we're going to run a bigger set of tires than what you typically see on the, on the fronts of these. Um, so the, the clearance is there for the wider tire that, yep. that it'll take to handle that weight. And uh, I'll find out if there is any availability on the, the 16 and 18,000 pound axle. I, I believe there is, but I have to double check. Yeah, because uh, I, I wouldn't mind having a VNL and put a Fontaine roof on it to lower the height down and everything. So yep, I still yep. need to be able to stick a monster pickup truck up there. Yeah. Also, remember, if you go D13TC versus Cummins, you're going to save probably uh, small 400 yeah. pounds up there. Yeah, There yep. you go. Absolutely. That's right. So. Okay, that's all Transmit. All right. Tra- Transmission will be lighter, too. Yeah, there you go. Let's <laughs> keep on rolling here because the calls just keep coming in. Let's go to Virginia. Jason, welcome to the program. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. What can we help you with today? Good. Um, so I know, I know now is a really bad time to be buying, um, a truck. It kind of seems to be the day of the, uh, the classic truck drivers calling in. Uh, I'm in a, I'm in a W900. Um, I'm just kind of curious 
I mean, do you guys have any recommendations? I'm already changing my, my driving style. I mean, is there anything that's even worth trying to do, uh, you know, modifying the truck somehow to, to make it, you know, get absolutely fuel economy? Absolutely. There can be. We, we've had people with classics break eight miles to the gallon. And again, I just said a little earlier, eight miles a gallon, still pretty damn respectable. Um, we had one guy that was breaking nine um with a classic now he was running pretty darn slow he specced it really well there's always something we can do to just about any truck to make it better and my guess is if you've done nothing there's probably several things we could do so it comes down to does it make more sense to invest some money into this truck to get better fuel economy or does it make sense to start over in today's environment i would say right now i would work on fuel economy on this truck and wait for the used truck market to kind of shake itself out because prices are coming down almost every week right now on used trucks and it's they're going to keep coming down for quite some time so i i would you know i i wouldn't be looking at things like trying to turn it into a six by two you know i wouldn't be looking at really big expensive projects but a fleet air filter uh faster an air dog you know some aerodynamic improvements even though it's ugly aerodynamically something like a flow below still helps still makes improvements so yeah i would you know i'd set a budget uh, you know what what can you afford what makes sense and then i'd start improving this thing so one of the things that i was just just talking with uh, some of my engineering colleagues about is the the uh, tractor trailer gap are you running a van or what are you running no that's another thing uh that throws a pretty significant variable into my into my fuel economy is i'm running a uh well it's, it's a, i was gonna say but i've actually got a step deck um so i mean the, gotcha. the shape of my load changes all the time right um sure right. sure yeah. so um the and, best thing and as far as the gap i mean it, it mm-hmm. i was i was working in the oil fields i mean i was transporting crude oil, you know, to 120, 130,000 pounds, you know, a load. So the frame is all stretched out. It had a fourth axle on it that I've since taken off. Um, And, uh, yeah, when when oil crashed a couple years ago, I I just kind of scrambling to uh, to find something to do and land it here. Um, And now... And now cruising around in this thing here, and you guys talk about trucks getting, you know, between 8 and 10, you know, miles to the gallon, it just... It just hurts my feelings, man. <laughs> well, there's the, the best thing I think I'm, I'm right here with Kevin. The, the very best thing to do is to, to slow down. Um, it's very, very hard to overcome uh, the aerodynamics when you're essentially driving a brick and especially that long. Um, you know, you really got to think hard before you put a lot of money into that truck to try to improve things. Now you, you will be able to improve it somewhat. And, and, you know, this is a case here where the guys at Pittsburgh power, this is, this is a a good fit for you because they, they deal with this older iron on a regular basis and they've had some success with traditional gearing on uh, helping you to improve your fuel mileage. Just be aware that truck is never going to be a 10 mile a gallon truck. And I'm sure you're aware of that, but we may be able to get you a mile, mile and a half a gallon better. I'm assuming. Um, I would think so. uh, Yeah. I would wait for the market to shake out. If it were me, I would just slow this thing down as, as slow as you can possibly stand to drive. 
wait for the market to shake out a little bit and then look to see what's out there. Um, you know, some of these newer aerodynamic trucks, not only do they get better fuel efficiency, they're just a lot easier to drive. Um, you know, the older trucks, you do have to watch the boost gauge and you get into traffic and you're constantly shifting the truck. And it's just, you know, you're doing a hell of a lot of work. You probably don't realize that you're doing until you step into something newer. Um, that's something that all four of the guys that I'm working with that came out of older trucks and went into an iTorque spec truck, um, they just couldn't believe it, how hard they were working before versus now and they don't have to watch the boost gauge they don't have to pay attention to what gear they're in because they know the truck's going to get it right and uh, it does take uh, a, a lot of your workload off you during the day so that's something else to consider that you know the majority of people just completely miss you know oh i'm a truck driver and i that, that's what i like to do is drive a truck <laughs> well you know once the, the testosterone kind of wears off that uh you know it's really nice going through Atlanta and, uh, you know, just being able to actually pay attention to traffic and not, you know, cranking gears and it just, yeah. Um, there's that. And, and that's the big reason why I would probably just slow this truck down as much as you can limit what you put into it and then look for something a little newer in a few months. If you absolutely love the truck and that's what you want to drive, I I would run it over to Pittsburgh and, and let them guys play with it. And, and, uh, see what they can do for you. All right. Yeah. I've, I've talked to guys up there at Pittsburgh power, um, about, you know, trying to, uh, get a tune in this truck and, and see if, uh, they could get any more, uh, efficiency out of it. Yeah, I kind of told them what I was, what I was doing already. And, and they, they kind of thought that, you know, um, making yeah. any changes, they couldn't guarantee a lot of improvement. Um, I mean, cause so where now, I mean, where Mm-hmm. you know ahead, the, the, here's the things i would stick with i would stick with inexpensive proven technologies that we know we can recover the cost pretty quickly even if you're going to end up with another truck in say five or six months when the market shakes out things like a fleet air filter pick up a couple tents you're only spending a couple hundred bucks i i don't think i would spend the money for a tune on this truck unless you're going to keep it the tune's nice, but it's not okay. a guarantee of better fuel economy. Many times it is, as long as you drive it right. But that, even when you drive it right, you're probably looking at close to a year to break even on the cost of a tune on a, on a truck like this. And I, I don't think I would be doing that kind of stuff right now. I'd only be doing really quick kind of break even, you know, not really expensive stuff. And like Joel said, your biggest bang for the buck is just slow down. Yeah, I I have yeah, a guy that's I'm doing already a, running pretty slow. Okay, so, sorry, go ahead. I've got a, I've I've got a guy running a similar duty cycle as yours. He he's a flat, but it's a Conestoga, and it's 108 inches wide. He's located in Kentucky, and he runs Kentucky, Tennessee, uh, North Carolina. Um, he's always up close to that 80,000 pound mark. And, uh, his lifetime on this truck. And I think he's like at 70,000 miles on it. His lifetime is 8.67. That's impressive. On a Conestoga. Yeah. That's and impressive. he had the, fr- he had, he had the frame lengthened because he has a door in the front of the Conestoga and he wanted to be able to get on the catwalk of the truck to walk in that front door. So he's not optimal with aerodynamics either. And he's there. Now he came out of a, um, 
Coronado with a with a built twelve seven, and the twelve seven was at five hundred and fifty horsepower, and and, and I, I'm pretty sure he was at two sixty four with a thirteen speed two sixty four rear end ratio. So you know what you would consider optimal for sort of that old style spec. Um, he's over a mile a gallon better, and, and he claims that his eye torque at 455 outpulls the 550 Detroit with no problem. Um, so that may give you kind of an idea of what you would might expect if you were to look at something new, um, trying to find an eye torque spec truck in the used market. That may be a trick right now because they are fairly new. There are probably some floating around out there. Um, if I come across any, I'll let you know. I do know a guy that's got a couple for sale right now that you may want to talk to. It's not iTorque, but it is a downsped spec. It's what we call the um, comprehensive shift package. And they do fairly well. They're about 3% less than what the, the iTorque is running, but still still very respectable. Okay. Um, yeah, that kind of that kind of brings me to another question. Um, I mean, what kind of... Uh I mean, I've heard you mention um, Detroit, and obviously uh, Volvo is, uh, you know, preferred. But, I mean, are those the two platforms that you'd be looking at, you know, uh, as the market kind of comes down? Or, I mean, is there – I mean, I don't know the, the – Well, well really in, in your instance, you know, if it were me, I'd be looking at who's close to me that – can actually work on any that's, particular truck. That's if, a good you've, point. if you've got a coming shop right down the road and the guy's, you know, a, a master tech and he can work wonders with a Cummins, as much as I'm a Volvo guy, if this guy's in my backyard, I'm buying a Cummins. Yeah. Just because I, I, I know I agree he, with he that. can take care of this thing. Yep. I agree with um, that. Everything being equal, I would buy nothing but a D13 TC. It, it's never that easy, though. So, Find out, you know, who's in your area, who's very good, who has a good reputation. If you haven't, try to establish that relationship. Talk to them. See what they have to say. You know, do your homework. You've got some time here because you're waiting for the market to come down. Like start calling people and asking questions. And, um, you know, you, you hear what we have to say on here. You hear what the Pittsburgh Power guys have to say. You know, we generally don't see eye to eye on stuff, but we're comparing apples to oranges. I'm talking very new technology that's right out on the cutting edge. They're very experienced with, you know, some of the older iron. Um, so between the two of us, you should be able to put that's, together a, a plan that would work. Yeah. And that's exactly why we've set up the show the way we have. We want to be able to help everybody be more efficient. And we're talking a pretty wide spectrum right now. So I think between the power hour and what we do on Fridays, we, we can help just about everybody with these questions. I got to keep moving along here. We're going to head off to Illinois this time. Sean, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, how you doing, man? I uh, emailed you about once a month. I, I started this uh, three months ago. And, uh, we talked uh, over the winter in Wyoming. I was in Wyoming, actually. And, uh, great show today. I want to say that. You guys, you guys are doing a hell of a job. Um, yeah, saving money, man. I, I, as you know, I started this in the last week in March. And if I wouldn't have saved any money, um, I had a park go out. I'm learning every day. I've only been doing this for two years. And I was a company man for since last March. Had a an exhaust modular go out. I didn't know what the hell that was, so now I do. It's like a baffle. 
$9,000. What? Wait, wait, wait. Let, let's take a step back here. An exhaust, what did yeah. you say? An exhaust modular? Modular, yeah. It's what, through the depth system. What, what truck and, and what, what engine? What, what truck and what engine? It's the Cummings it's um, International uh, 2019. Joel, what, what is an uh, exhaust yeah, modular? Probably, it's probably the one box, I'm assuming, the exhaust module. Oh, yeah, got it. it. It's a battle. Yeah. Got it. Okay. It slowed yeah. the float out to the death. And it about killed me. And then the kingpin went <laughs> And then I had to get new tires. And like, ah! right. hey, you're hey, looking stop. at almost $15,000. Stop. stop. Yeah. How many miles are on this truck? Uh, right now, when I bought it, it was 411. Now it's got 446. Okay. So here, here's a clue. I haven't had to talk about this idea in a long time. When... Yeah. I, I wrote a book about how to get started as an owner operator. There's one whole long chapter about how to buy a used truck, you know, what you should be looking mm-hmm. for. And one of the things I talked about, and I haven't said this a lot, but I have a really thorough front end inspection done by somebody who really knows what they're looking for. Somebody like Chad, you know, most of the MD alignment guys would be good for this. And here's why. Many fleets today have have almost gutted their maintenance programs. They do almost nothing to these trucks anymore. They push their oil changes out as far as they can, which means they're pushing their grease out as far as they can. They just skip all kinds of maintenance. And the reason they do it, it actually makes sense for them. They're going to trade that truck at 400 and some thousand miles. Yes. And they can skip all all of this maintenance and it never affects them it will only affect the next buyer of the truck the reason i tell people to do a really good front-end inspection is that's one of the first places poor maintenance will show up there is no way we should lose kingpins at four hundred thousand miles so one of the fleets we benchmark against that is exactly their strategy they order all of the non-serviceable items in the truck for kingpin bushings. They use a polymer instead of a bronze kingpin. Um, so they don't have to grease the front. They don't want to touch it. Right. They do not grease the front of that truck the whole time it's in their possession. They try to trade out at 350,000 miles, and they don't want anybody having to crawl underneath that truck. They know that they lose their warranty at X, X mileage, and they spec with all these non-serviceable freaking parts. The next guy that's into this truck, you're going to rebuild that truck, unfortunately. That's what's going to happen. It's, yeah. it's, it's guess, not, not going to be pretty. The other question, I, I email Kevin about once a month. And, um, make a long story short, is the same truck, just different years, same mileage, went for $56,000. I paid with a five thousand dollar warranty extra on it, one oh six, and um, yeah, I don't know if the market. Yeah, the market. They said that's where the market's bearing right now, and it's still and they're and they're still strong. They said they could take it to. So, uh, actually, they gave us like twenty five thousand dollars off the truck, and uh, they said if something. No, you know, they didn't. Whatnot, we could, no, they didn't. No, I know they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds good, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, hey. I get the math. 
Seventy hey, percent interest. They're still getting their money. Hey, by the way, just so everybody's aware, we're raising our price on truckingtribe.com and healthytribe.com. Instead of three dollars a month, it's now going to be a hundred dollars a month. But I'm such a great guy, I'm going to give you a ninety-seven dollar a month discount. <laughs> You are one hell of a guy. That's a hell of a that's a hell of a reach around. That's right. That's right. Oh uh, man! But I was too caught into it. If it, if, I mean, not to uh, you know, I guess patronize Kevin. He told me to stay out of it. I was too far into it. You had to stay with the company for a year, and uh, I stayed there a year, a year and a half. Actually, when you when I first started trucking, Kevin, you know, obviously. Through, this is his podcast and all the other stuff. He wanted you to stay at a company for a year before you could go out and go buy a truck. You might not know what the hell you're doing or so on and so on. So I jumped into the program and I got 26 months left before the truck paid off. So it's not like a five, six year I got to stay here. Uh, give me an idea where my rates are at with the truck. Um, I, got, I left uh, uh, Iowa. And I'm going to uh, Fort Lauderdale. They give me fifteen hundred dollars in fuel surcharge, and to the truck, which is seventy five percent already. What, what I'm going to get, I'm going to, to the truck. What I bring home will be forty one hundred dollars. So you, if I keep it to the, you know, go ahead. Yeah, you're you're just at that point where you've got so much invested into this. We, I think, we have to take right. that risk that you can finish this thing out and end up owning it. I, I, that's that's the plan, and 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 you know I'm not. You know, I mean, it, it, it's uh, there's hope nothing else happens. But if I didn't have any money saved up, the guy that I was paid the three hundred some thousand, I just couldn't imagine where the hell it went. I, I couldn't you, well, imagine because they yeah. old. And that's the, that's the difference. You, you've made some mistakes. We all do in the beginning, but you've done enough things right that I think if we can get through this next year or two, you get this thing paid off. You're, you're going to be in better shape than most guys I tell just walk away. Um, you've got enough into this and there's enough potential. Get through this next, you know, two years, you'll be in good shape. Let's, uh, oh, Mark, did you hear us talking about you? We're going to Ohio. Oh, hi, Kevin. Hi, Joel. It's Mark. How you doing? Hey, how you hey doing? there. Good. Uh, we'll talk about what you guys don't talk about is the steering wheel, is dynamic steering, how I just wear out my pinky because it's so straight as an arrow. It never, <laughs> it never wanders. Wait, what's this <laughs> dynamic steering of, stuff you're talking of? Uh, dynamic steering. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's an it's an electric assist motor that sits right on top of the steering gear. It looks like a big old donut, and it's got a super fast computer on there, and it gets pitch and yaw and crap from the truck ECM. And if you're catching a side wind, it'll automatically counter steer the truck against the side wind without you having to do anything. It varies the weight of the steering depending on how fast you're going. The slower you get, the lighter the steering gets. The faster you go, it adds a little bit more weight into the steering, so it's easier to track straight down the lines. And what's really unique with this system is is that Volvo couples that with an actual front sway bar, which none of the other manufacturers offer on their trucks. So you, you have a front sway bar that reduces that cab rocking motion and you've got this really nice electric assist on top of the hydraulic power steering that's just an absolute dream to drive nice yeah it is yeah and it's great when you're hitting a railroad track or a 
bridge embankment when you're going across, you know how it pulls the steering wheel to the left and right? Yeah. It doesn't even do that. It just it just goes right straight over anything. Nice. It's, it's, yeah. Yeah, essentially it is a smart it's a smart version of the safety plus. I, I was just going to say, um, it sounds like elect- an electronic yeah, version of the safety plus. Yes, yes, yes. It, it's safety plus with a brain. Yeah. That's exactly. What nice. Nice. So, yeah, you were talking earlier about the trailer gap. So it, like everybody says like, Oh, you got to slow down. In my case, I speed up and still get, but yeah my gap is right at probably right at 35 inches so and that's that's back of cab to the front of the trailer so at the edge of the fairing to the radius you're probably in that 13 to 15 inch range i'm assuming it's close i had to move that grab bar i had to you know i had to put it in a yeah move it in yeah so Trying a corner with the uh, steering wheel all the way. Trying, I don't. My steering wheel doesn't doesn't go over fifty degrees. So, turning a U turn is not a problem. It's backing up is the problem. <laughs> so gotcha. You gotta be very yeah. You gotta be very careful so you don't hit the bat wings and yeah. But, but. yes, it it is. So I, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. gonna say I was. Uh, was just talking with Dwayne about the aerodynamic stuff and every 12 inches at 55 mile an hour to like 65, you know, there's, there's a range in there. You're looking at plus minus 10 horsepower. It takes, if you move that trailer back 10 inches at over 70 mile an hour, it's closer to 20 horsepower just to overcome them big gaps. And so this is, essentially free to do. And if you have the front axle capacity to keep that gap tight, close it up because that's uh, so, by far the biggest bang for your buck you're ever going to get. So it's interesting I, that we're, pull- we're talking about this right now. Cause Matt just sent a picture over to me. Uh, Matt happens to be at Steve Crohn's right now. And uh, mm-hmm. they're doing some, some uh, pretty major arrow work to his cab extenders here trying to see exactly right, what's need, going on there need, yeah he needs a lot of help <laughs> <laughs> yeah it looks looks like he's tightening up that gap quite a bit good yeah good 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 when i do pull heavy a lot of people on the six by two don't realize that uh even when i pull forty six thousand pounds I, I mean it's so much easier to scale because you don't have to worry about the front axle as long as your tires can support the weight as long as you're not over 34 and it's real easy to move the slide of tandems on the trailer to get the weight where you need it. And it's easy pulling, easy breezy pulling heavy with a 6x2. A lot of people think that you can't do it, but I enjoyed the challenge, but I there never had go. problems other than some scale masters like uh, back that thing back up and put it back on the scale. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it wants to check your tires to see if they're H rated. They don't even care what kind of axle as long as your tires can support the weight. 
Yeah, That's I, all they care about. I don't know why we didn't do more to solve this problem a long time ago. It wouldn't have been that hard. I don't know why we fought with this front axle weight, why we just didn't put heavier components when we needed them. And, you know, we're still fighting with this. And it's, just, it's well, easy to spec away from this problem. Here's why. Um, in the past, we used stacked leaf springs. And stacked leaves versus parabolics rode hard, and oh, that's, that's why true. the Kenworths yeah. and the Peets had that had that set forward front axle. So if you would go to a fourteen six with stacked leaves, you would probably crack all your teeth and push the kidneys right out of your back. You know what I mean? It's, it's pretty rough. You, you mean put, it, put it on parabolic? You yeah. mean I'm, I'm going to feel like I'm back in my uh, uh, GMC Astro cab over? Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. And that's what you had under that truck. You that's had right. stacked, and they were probably 12,000, 12, so it wouldn't shoot you, catapult you through the front window on that truck. But, uh, right. yeah, that, that's why. That is exactly why this is now just becoming a thing. Most drivers are brainwashed into thinking you can only put 12,000 on the front, which is not true. Um, and most salespeople believe you can only put 12,000 on the front, which is not true. And so, um, I, I think we're going to see a lot more of the 14, six and possibly even 16,000 pound front axles on trucks. I mean, the limit is actually just our single axle limit, right? Couldn't we put 20,000 on a 20,000? Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, definitely a ride like hell. Well, no, think about this. So I, I talked to the guys at Prevo, um, and uh, they put 20,000-pound front axles under some of the coaches. Yeah. Now, most coaches nowadays are independent front suspensions, and so they ride a lot softer. But uh, there are a few of them out there where they still use the parabolic at, at 20K, and it rides just fine. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, they're out there. You don't see them very often, but it's out there. That technology is available. I just think it's, you know, for so long we've been brainwashed. It's 12,000 legal. Nobody yeah, right. even thinks to ask about it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and yeah. Well, the other thing I wanted to come up with on the mission trucks, now I just turned about 170,000. I have not gone through one region. Nice. Yet. Not even one. I have had maybe maybe two or three passive regens, but as a regen, no, it has not occurred. Good. So, and you're, the, and you're, you're, you still have the first generation engine on there. Um, and, and so, so it's excellent when, when you finally get out of that truck and go to a gen two, you're not even going to see them passes. It, they burn that clean. It's, it's amazing how good they are. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, even the oil sample on here, it's unbelievable. So it, it almost looks like new oil. That's <laughs> so, it. We, we are seeing, you know, yeah. we, we used to talk about the cat being the one engine where you pulled the dipstick out. And even after a lot of miles, you, you could still see color in the oil. The Detroit changed the, changed the oil, turned the key and it's black. <laughs> <laughs> By the time you get around to pull the dipstick out again, I'm hearing all kinds of Volvo owners now say their oil just looks clean for a long time. And the samples are just incredible. Yeah, the, the engine is very tight, and like I said, I'm this truck doesn't idle, and I got the same concept. It's like as soon as I pull up, it turns off. It doesn't need to run. So excellent. The only time it runs is when it's, it has to run down the street. There you go. So, 
There you go. So I just, yep. All Great right. show, guys. All right. Thanks. Yeah, Good awesome stuff. Awesome numbers. Yeah. All right, Joel, uh, two topics I just want to touch on. I don't know how much time we want to spend on these. but sure. uh, um, One, I don't know how I missed this. You know, we've been talking about AB5, and AB5 is now law in California. Um, and mm-hmm. the, the owner-operators in the ports are not taking it well. They have shut down the Port of Oakland. They're protesting, and they've shut it down mm-hmm. for a couple of days now. Um, and we're, I think they're back there again today. And they're saying, we will not leave here till AB5 till we get an exemption. So we'll see what happens out there. But here's something that surprised me, and I'm just not sure how I missed this. i got to go back and find this article. I have too many notes going on here. Um, why can't I find the article I need? Oh, here we go. All right. Inc. Magazine. New rule could make it harder for small businesses to hire contractors. So AB5 basically makes it illegal to lease a truck to a trucking company. It, that just goes away. So that affects about 70,000 mm-hmm. owner-operators in California that are leased to carriers. That's now illegal in the state of California. They will mm-hmm. have to go get their own authority, become carriers, and then work with brokers. That's a big deal, a really mm-hmm. big deal, but it's just California right now. Well, I've been talking about the fact that mm-hmm. there is a federal bill in the House. It's called the mm-hmm. PRO Act, and it's passed the House. It got stalled in committee in the Senate, and I've said we have to make sure a law like that never goes through. Imagine if, if the entire mm-hmm. country... If all the owner-operators lease to a carrier, if that becomes illegal, I can't imagine what that would do to our supply chain right now. So, but I wasn't too worried about it because I don't see it getting passed in the Senate. So I, I don't think they're going to make a law out of this. So, but I'm reading this now and it says the Biden administration plans to change a Department of Labor rule that determines which workers are employees and which are contractors. And it turns out, um, the uh, as required by law, the Department of Labor solicited public feedback on the regulatory changes and held two public forums late last month. June 24th, employers had an opportunity to make comments and workers had an opportunity on June 29th. And now the Department of Labor is just going to make a determination. They're going to do this without passing wow. a law? They're just going to do wow. this with a, a, another agency, the Department of Labor? That's insane. So this is because there's going to be no stability one way or the other. I mean, if they want to do this, make it a law. Make it a and law. And then we'll all deal with it. At least, at least we know what the rules are. They do this shit and nobody's going to know what the rules are and nobody is going to want to get in a truck. Period. That, because you, you're not going to know. You get a, a new leadership in the House and that, Senate. It's all going to change again. Exactly. And it's just going to keep flipping back. And this is ridiculous. It, yeah. It is ridiculous. Yeah. I cannot believe this is more of this crap that we just we ignore our democracy. A, a democracy works because we get to vote for the people who make the laws that affect us. But this government has gotten away from that. They don't. Congress does nothing anymore, and they just use agencies to set new rules. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, now, now you know what the oil people are kind of going through. You know, oh. they, they, they demonize them and, and make them look like yeah. villains, but they're de- they've been dealing with that crap for a long time. You know, subsidies, yeah, subsidies, no. They, they yeah. never know what's going on. Just just make a rule, make it a law, so everybody's playing by the same rules, and then we'll deal with it. But, uh, and uh, and yeah, when this it's... Will be, this will be crazy if they do this yeah you know I, I when if they make it a law then we have some control we get to vote for the people who make laws i didn't get to vote for anybody that works at the department of labor correct correct oh that makes yeah me and, and that's what they do you know the politicians that you have to vote for well you know the agency done it and i didn't have anything exactly. to do with it and yada right. yada yada yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, and, That's and, crazy. And, and, and listen to this. So I just said the owner-operators are protesting in the ports and they've basically shut it down. Then listen to this headline. Port of Oakland urges owner-operators to end AB5 protest. <laughs> They're asking them not to do it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, you, sure. <laughs> you destroyed my business. And, and here's, here's, their, right. here's their reasoning. So let's remember, AB5 destroyed these people's businesses. They had a business, and now their business is illegal. That's a big deal. And the port is saying, could you please stop protesting because you're harming the businesses uh, of the port? I'm Look, screw you right around in the carriage yelling, <laughs> yelling let him eat cake exactly you know? <laughs> screw you i don't care Shut if i'm hurting your business you destroyed mine jesus yeah that's gonna get nasty out there and honestly you, you can't blame the guys i mean you're right you just stripped their livelihood from them can, can you imagine <laughs> they some of these guys have been doing this for decades this is how they raised their families this is how they've lived and you just come in and again stroke of a pen you're just out of business that's nuts it, yeah. it really is you really have to feel bad for those guys out there it's um I don't know. Um, you know, I don't agree with all the rules and the regulations the way they are now. Um, I think some things need to be changed sure. to do it in the yep. way that they're doing it, I think is a, a horrible way to go about things. And the fact that this might be federal without even Congress doing anything really makes me a that's little crazy. problematic. Yeah, it is. Because what that's really going to do is it's going to spur Illinois, New Jersey, Massachusetts to adopt this stuff really fast. Yep. And so you're going to have it on both coasts and in the middle of the country. And from there, it's going to be very difficult. To what stop. a mess. What a mess. All right. Yeah, so absolutely. We'll, I agree. We'll keep an eye on that. One more thing. How are you liking your watch? Mm-hmm. Well, I wore it for a couple weeks and I am allergic to the band on that thing. It literally peeled the skin off on my wrist when I took the, really? took the band off. So I got to get, I got to get a different band for, yeah, so I got a perfect little stripe right around my wrist and it huh. just peeled the skin right off my, Interesting. so I, I'm assuming it's just the band. I think I need to get stainless steel and we'll see what happens. I've been meaning to get one. I just been busy with a bunch of other things going on and I need to get one here before I get back in the truck. So I'll see if I can find a stainless steel band for it. But yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty gnarly when that thing came up. I was like, what the hell? So, yeah. Holy cow. Um, 
Yeah, because I was trying to wear it as long as I could, uh, you know, track everything. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to take this thing off. I'm just going to wear it. And Jesus, I'm not doing that again. (laughs) So, you know, I talked about the fact that, you know, that's going to be a part of the show. Uh, I think all three of us, Mm -hmm. you know, can really work together on some of this. But I read an article this morning, and I don't know why I'm shocked, but I'm shocked. So I'm going to give you a list of five criteria, health criteria. Um, so mm-hmm. here's the five BMI less than 25. The, these are what we're shooting for BMI less than mm-hmm. 25. Okay. Check for me, check on my BMI is less than 25 or your waist circumference. And I can't remember if this was and or, or, so I got to go back and look, but waist circumference, 88 centimeters for females, 102 centimeters for males. The problem with that is that I, I can't believe they just did a straight, this, this was some sort of a study, by the way, that they did a straight waist measurement. It should have been height to weight. Obviously, somebody who's six foot mm-hmm. is going to have a bigger waist than somebody who's five, five. But it doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that they're unhealthy. I don't know why they use that. But we'll go with BMI under 25. Um, Fasting Mm -hmm. blood glucose under 100 and A1C under 5.7. Total Mm -hmm. cholesterol divided by HDL, which is our total to HDL ratio, should be under 3.5. And uh, blood pressure under 120 over 80. Mm -hmm. And no history of mm-hmm. cardiovascular disease. Those are the five criteria we're looking at right now. Now, none of those are anything really extreme, right? We're not saying you have to be able to run a marathon right. and bench press 300 pounds. We're just saying if you meet these five criteria, you would be considered metabolically healthy. Does that make sense so far? Sure. How many, what percentage of um, adult Americans do you think uh, meet this criteria? <laughs> Three. That, you're not far off. Three percent? 6.8%. Yeah, I was going to say not many are meeting that. No, oh, oh, we eat way too much sugar. Sugar and everything, yeah. Only 6.8% <laughs> of Americans are considered metabolically healthy. Yeah. That yeah. Is well, I wouldn't make it so because of bad. my heart valve. Oh, that's right. You have you you do, but that was yeah, a genetic yeah, thing. You couldn't even yeah. do anything about that. But yeah, you're right. I that, do that, about would, it, but that would disqualify yeah, yeah. you. It would disqualify Didn't even think me. about that. Yeah, I would make I would make everything else but the heart valve, yeah. Yeah. Yep. But I, I was shocked. I mean, I well, I I think I would have thought maybe 15 to 20%. I would have thought that was horrible. But I can't believe yeah. it's not even seven <laughs> percent. You know, I we had a, a company function not too long ago, and we were out in this big tent and just watching everybody eat. You know what I mean? And you just got to shake your head. I know. I was like, man, every single thing that was brought to this function was just loaded with sugar and carbohydrates. I'm looking at that stuff, going, "How in the hell?" You know? And, and everybody there, all the older drivers there. First thing they want to start talking about. Well, I got to go to the doctor for my diabetes. I got this checked. It's, it's, it's all they talk about. Yeah. I know. Yes, yes, yes. 
Yep. Oh. Yep. So oh. I, I, I don't know. You feel bad, but it is what it is, I guess. So. I know. I know. <laughs> and of course, no, so, nobody wants to hear you preach about it. If somebody will ask me, I will talk about it a little bit. Oh, yeah. We did have I, one guy that was 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 in trouble health wise and he did he asked me about it and um you know got him on just eating the meat and uh man his stuff cleared up right away his doctor was just shocked you know he was on all these different medications for blood pressure for diabetes and and the doctor was telling him you know if you don't get this cleared up you're not going to be able to drive and, right uh, so he asked me he asked me so- and if it just just eat meat. Forget, forget about what everybody <laughs> is saying. That's right. Just that's, eat meat. Yeah. And he's like, really? I said, yeah, just, just it. do right. it. And yeah, it worked. So it's, it was cool. <laughs> it is. Now, I just thought of something. You know, the average in America is 6.8%. Your guess was 3%. I'll bet you are correct mm-hmm. for truck drivers. Trucking in. Yeah, because that's, yep. that's what I was basing it on. Yep. I was just had that visual in my head of everybody sitting there and I'm thinking there wasn't, you know, <laughs> right. three people out of a hundred and there <laughs> right. made that not even close. Right. So, and you know, it's the kids, the kids today, those are the ones that you would think would make it easy. There aren't many kids today that would make it, you know, in that, they, in that 10 to 15 year old range. They won't. Most of them wouldn't right. make it. They won't. Yep. You're right. That That's scary. That's really scary. All right. Uh, boy, we were all over the board today. Anything you want to close with? Nothing I can think of right off the top of my head. Um, hopefully, we'll be getting my truck fairly soon. We're going to do some marketing and media stuff with it, which is kind of exciting. I may be out in your neck of the woods doing some filming. If I am, I'll get a hold of you. Yeah, um, definitely. But, you know, nothing earth-shattering. Um I guess from the trucking point of view, uh, uh, there's some cool stuff coming out from all the manufacturers. You just have to understand how to use it. And, and our, our thought processes that we used, you know, just a decade ago are not going to apply. And, you know, the, the whole theory of high horsepower is money in the bank. That was somewhat true at one time. It will not apply anymore as we start to optimize gearing for terrain you just don't need all the extra horsepower. It becomes wasteful. So do your homework. If you buy new, do your homework, regardless of the brand. Um, you know, I know when you're in a position to buy a truck, it, it's exciting and you want to, <laughs> you want to jump on it and get it done. But, um, definitely talk to people, do your homework. Uh, if you're doing something Volvo, you know, don't be afraid to reach out on Facebook or over on trucking tribe. Um, I'm willing Perfect. to help anybody that i can so excellent and uh i don't know one more one more thing life stay away from stay away from sugar (laughs) there you go yeah um (laughs) one more thing did last week did you and i talk about the book uh the end of the world is just the beginning it was the not last week but the week before we did okay um did you ever get a chance to read it I just got started on it and my better half had to have uh, kind of an emergency surgery done. And I was tied up with that for the last week. And, uh, she had a appendix taken out when she was young and she had some adhesions in there and stuff got glued together. And so it was, uh, yeah, one of those deals. So, So, 
since I've so, read the book, I keep watching headlines and I'm shocked at how many headlines are fitting what that book was predicting. Uh, and there was another one this morning. You know, we, we seem to be under the impression that like China's going to take over the world. You know, the U.S. is failing at everything right now, and we're so afraid China's going to become the new global superpower. They're going to take over the world. And this book says the opposite, that China is in real trouble when you look at, you know, the way he lays out where we're going in the world. Uh, he says China's in real trouble, and he says the biggest reason is because they are hyper-financed. Like they have borrowed so much money. So here's the headline that I'm reading. China in distress. Economy suffering rapid slowdown as systemic problems surface. And uh, let me see if I can find one of their... uh, I'll tell you another thing that matches up with that. Uh, I just seen this morning that... uh oil exports from Russia to China and India dropped by 30%. Yes. Yep. So that, should, China, that, that should tell you something's going on over there. Yeah. China is, has a big, big problem in that they have to import all kinds of stuff to keep their economy going and they're hyper financed and it looks like it's about to crash. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. And again, you know, it, history repeats itself time and time again. And and for China to dominate the world, yeah, they've, they've got a lot of people. But uh, if you look at what the Russians have done in Ukraine, how they've just thoroughly gotten their asses handed to them militarily, <laughs> um, all of China's military, or most of it, is based on Russian tech. Yeah. And so it doesn't yeah. bode well. And the stuff that's not based on Russian tech, they stole from us. <laughs> right. So you got to believe we already know exactly what. So I, I hear the bullshit that we hear on the news that, oh, my God, China's going to take. I don't think there's a hope in hell. They'd have a hard time getting into Taiwan. If we really wanted to deny them, we could deny them. The other thing they talk I, I don't about. I there's any doubt about that. Yeah, they talk about how their Navy is huge. They've got this giant Navy, except when you study their Navy, they don't have any ships that can operate much more than about 500 miles away from their home ports. Yeah, they have virtually zero force projection. That's exactly right. And that's the one big thing they're trying to work on. So could you imagine the expenditure they'd have to put out to build 10 aircraft carriers like like we run? Right. I mean, come on. That's going to take years and years and years if you don't go broke in the process. The Russians couldn't do it. Oh, no. No, the Russians wouldn't have a chance. And and the Chinese right now, if they're already so hyper-financed, there's no way they can build out like that. Yeah, I, I don't think so. They're they're going to be the the power in Southeast Asia, no doubt. And they're going to give Australia fits on some things, but as far as global domination, it ain't happening. Yeah, All not right. going to happen. All right, we'll uh, we'll talk some more about that when uh, we get John back and you guys finish up the book. Lots of uh, lots of stuff we'll be talking about. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be back in the truck uh, starting next week, so I'll get a chance to listen to the book in, in detail. And then I'll probably, what I'll do is I'll get some of the stuff out of the the history uh, channels that I listen to and then listen to your book and then go back and listen to them and yeah. probably will really start to connect a lot of dots. Sounds good. 
All right. We're so, going to wrap yep. this up and uh, head on into the weekend. So, Joel, as always, thanks. Great stuff today, and we'll do it again next week. Yeah, sounds good. We'll talk again. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Take care. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. We'll see you on Monday.